Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This morning, I saw on my Facebook the Chaz and AJ, which is a popular radio show here in Connecticut. In fact, I might be on it this morning. I'm rushing to the station. Ask the question on their Facebook page, can you give me an example of when you messed up as a parent? Something like that. And my answer was, you know, too many to count. And I started being a parent. In fact, yesterday was my son's 36th birthday, which clearly made me a teenage bride. But I really was very young when I got married. I was only 21, and Jono was born when I was 26. So you do the math, because he's 36 now. And he turned 36 yesterday. I've got two kids, Jonathan and Joanna. Joanna just turned 30 in April, and John turned 36 yesterday. And, you know, there's really not a map to navigate being a parent past the age of 18. Forget about on the way to 18, you're always making mistakes. You don't get any do-overs. If you're smart, you're asking everybody that you respect for help along the way, and you're not doing it by yourself. But after the kids become 18, 21, 25, you pick the cutoff, whatever the cutoff that works for you. There really isn't a map to navigate how to do this piece. And the... The cliche, you're only as happy as your saddest child, I think is true. And the other one that is always true is that once your kids are born, you start worrying and you really never stop. And all of that is true in the mix, but I'm talking about something a little deeper. I'm talking about how and how it is that we parent, that we guide our children through their lives as adults, understanding that we're no longer their teachers in the same way. We're not. We're not. We have to step back. We have to say, okay, we did our thing, and let's see what lessons that life is meant to have in store for them. What is their journey? It's not our journey. We're on our journey. We've done that part of our journey. Now it's their journey. And when your child has a romantic situation that you can see from the outside is 
going to cause them pain or not be optimal or is optimal and they don't see it and they can't jump at it the way you would say, oh, that girl, that boy is so right for you. Don't you see it? It's right in front of your eyes. I think a lot of being a parent when your kids are older is restraint and biting your lip, which has never been my strong suit, but I try. My dad was full of wisdom. He'll be 94, God willing, on June 13th, just a few days away. His advice to me was check in once a week, even if they don't check in with you. That your duty as a parent, well, my parents have never believed that their duty as a parent ended at any time. But they believe that for kids that are a little bit estranged or just, that's really a strong word, just busy in their own lives and selfish and wrapped up and not thinking about calling you, that you still, you don't stand on ceremony, you pick up the phone once a week and you say, how are you? And you keep those lines of communication open. I've taken that advice, and I believe in that, and I confess I'm sometimes more than once a week. The challenge of being a parent to an adult kid, the challenges, are not something that our culture talks about a lot. I think we could do a better job. There are cultures within our culture that are very grounded to the next generation. A lot of Hispanic families I know, it is a given that the abuela will live with them, will take care of the little ones as they come along and be an integral part. And in exchange, they will be taken care of as they get older. In my subculture, which I guess would be sort of an upper or middle class, upper middle class, Jewish, suburbanite, from first generation, the boat, still remembering the roots existence, is a mixed bag. It's a very mixed bag. There are a lot of families who are extremely close to their elders and others who are far away emotionally and with physical distance. I think it just runs the gamut. I can't even make a generalization. I'm on my way to Florida in a couple of days. Again, I try and go down every four weeks to see my parents, who I'm extremely close to. You can read the book Secrets of a Jewish Mother and see that it was written by me, my mother, and my sister together. And I miss them terribly. And as long as they're walking the planet, I need to be with them. So I'm going on Friday again. My mom is having a bunch of heart issues and procedures that aren't working, so... We're working on getting something to bring that heart rate down. But in the meantime, my dad, who is going to be 94 in a couple of days, is feeling the exhaustion of constantly, constantly monitoring and taking care of my mom. And he's so tender about it. He's so kind about it. One of the things that I remember that was a horrible moment from parenting, I remember two I had one child who was a lot more difficult to raise than another. My son, John, was more complicated and hard to raise from the get-go. He was a colicky kid. He was a boy, and I didn't have brothers. Maybe that's part of it, too. But I think it was because as a baby, he just screamed a lot, cried, and he screamed a lot. And I didn't know what to make of it. My mother says that she swore, him, swore seeing him bang his head against the wall when he was three. And he was just really hard, and we didn't. We struggled with him, and we got 
this diagnosis of a nonverbal learning disability, but he was nine by then, and we went to parenting conferences for oppositional behavior, and we, we did whatever we could do. I pulled out all the stops as much as I could to do the best that I could when I could. But I remember two moments, at least two. One of them was one of them was terrifying in slow motion. I was changing his diaper. He was a little one. He was maybe no more than nine months old. And he was on a high changing table. It was a changing table at my waist height. And it didn't have a lip. God knows why. I was such a stupid first mother. I bought a pretty piece of furniture. It told me it was a changing table, but it didn't have that lip, that guardrail. And he twisted over my arm as I was changing his diaper, and he fell right to the ground on a carpeted floor. And he bounced. And it could have been the head. Tush. Whatever it was, it bounced. And I could still see it. I can still see it in slow motion as it was happening. And, of course, it freaked me out. I cried. I called the doctor. He was fine. That was a terrifying moment of parental negligence. Thank God God protects babies because God needs to protect babies from their ridiculous mothers. I just remember that in slow motion. It was terrifying. But there were other moments, too. He was 16 years old, and I wrapped him across the face because I didn't like a fresh mouth. And I won't repeat to you what he said, but I will tell you that I still think I was right. And when I told him as an adult, because he doesn't remember the incident at all, I remember the incident. I remember it. He said, yeah, Ma, you're right. I deserved a wrap in the mouth for that. Right? Smack across the face. One smack. I was so furious. And you remember these moments, so nine months to 16, with plenty in between. But there are some standout moments, and you notice what I'm remembering. I'm not really remembering so much what John did as what I did. I'm remembering when I made a mistake, or I lost control, or my temper got the best of me. Because in life, character is how we respond to things that happen. It isn't what happens to us, it's how we respond to them that makes us character. And so when I think about all the years and all the stuff that went on with my son, who I loved to pieces, I think that I think about my mistakes, not his. And with my daughter, she was so easy. She was born done. She was seven pounds, two ounces. John was born as a result of a tumultuous, life-threatening, footling breach, vertical C-section in which I was in the hospital for seven days. I came out literally the day before his bris on the eighth day. He came out with me of the hospital, I mean. And the doctor came into the room and said, little lady, if you had been in Tennessee, you and your son wouldn't have made it through this one. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, Doc. So, Joanna was born. She was what they call a V-back, which is to say I had a C-section because of a specific position, but not my biology. And my doctor, a different doctor, said there's no reason why this one can't be a regular natural birth. So, that's what happened. And Joanna was born in two hours, and they put her under my arm in the delivery room, and she started sucking her thumb, and I said, this kid is done. She was still is. And so if you ask me to remember the challenges of raising my daughter, I have to scratch my head because <laughs> there weren't many. 
there just weren't many. My mother always says, I came first, I came before Jill, and Jill was her challenging child, to say the least. And she always says if she had stopped with me, she would have looked up and said, what's the big deal? Like, what are you all complaining about? But God gave her Jill, and then she understood. I had it the reverse. My tougher one was first. They are who they are. We are who we are. I'm thinking about that because of that question on Facebook today. And I'm thinking about that because my son celebrated his 36th birthday. And I'm thinking about that because of stories that I feel it would be unethical for me to share with you about things going on in other people's lives that are their stories and their journeys. But I am ruminating, if you can hear between the lines, on what is the role of a parent as our kids become older. When are we supposed to dive in there and offer some parental wisdom, even if it's not asked? My husband grew up in a very different philosophy than I did. His parents, also from the same ethnicity, but a very different point of view, believed that when they let the kids launch like birdies from a nest, they were pretty much done. They love them. They take vacations with them. They check in with them. They care about them. They never felt it was their place to offer advice. My parents never had any such notions and felt that it was always their place to offer advice. And I think I'm somewhere in between. I'm somewhere in between. My dad has a philosophy about doing favors for people, which I also think is true for advice. And he says, and this is pretty harsh, and it's not what I do in life, but it is my dad, what he does. He never offers to do a favor for anybody because he feels that if you offer to do a favor for somebody, it's never appreciated. And clearly he wants to be appreciated, some part of his soul. However, a corollary to that is that if somebody asks you for a favor, you always do it. Because if you do a favor for somebody, they appreciate it, they understand it, and then it's worth doing. He doesn't believe in the unappreciated favor. He thinks it's a waste of your energy, a waste of your time, your talent, your connections, your, 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 your currency in this world. Because he has seen the, the fold or no good deed goes unpunished get wider and wider and wider in my life. And it's a running joke. It was a running joke between me and my former law partner. All the favors we did for people, everything, all the time, extending ourselves, we called it the no good deed goes unpunished file. And you know that file. You have that file, I'm sure. But it's the same thing is true with advice. If somebody asks you for advice, they're going to appreciate your answer. Nobody wants unsolicited advice. They don't even want it from a mother or a father. So I think probably the best way to approach these situations as your kids become older is to ask them, do you want my advice? And if they say yes, then you have the carte blanche. And if they say no, you got to bite your tongue and be there. My father was asked once at a conference room at the Hearst building. Jill and I went up there. We had just written Secrets of a Jewish Mother. 
and Jill had all these connections in the licensing world. And we went up to a famous, famous woman who had done Betty Boop and all these other things that had become major licensing franchises for the Hearst Company. And we went up to the room, and there were three men in the room, and there was this very distinguished woman, and Jill and I, and my dad happened to be in town that day, and we brought him up there. And Jill is giving her spiel. I'm giving my spiel. We're kibitzing. We're talking. We're having a great time. And this younger man, maybe in his 40s, he's sitting next to my father, and he stops the conversation cold. And he says, Mr. Kamen, I'm a dad, and i got to ask you, how, how did this happen? How did you create these girls who are accomplished and are so close to you, and you have such a loving family? How did you do this? How did you... Because he's listening to Jill and I, and we're carrying on and carrying on about everything that we feel we have to offer. Incidentally, we didn't get a deal. That's another conversation. And my father said, just be there. Three words, his advice as a parent, just be there. And he meant it when we were 1, 2, 3, and 16, 26, 36, and 62. And so that's the advice that I'm cherishing. I'm going to be there for my kids. I'm just going to be there. They're going to know it. I'm going to be around. I'm going to be steady. I'm going to check in once a week. But even when I know I have the best advice, I'm not going to offer it unless asked. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.